0: man this week
1: that seems unusual
0: I engaged in some straight up business. bidness I, uh, business. I was in this big meeting is this a drug thing yes uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> there are like 60 people in this room you know and we're all you know, big round table sort of thing and uh, you know there, there's this one guy's given a report and he's droning on And, uh, you know, he's like, and and, uh, those results, of course, will have to be, uh, you know, validated by our fiduciary, Stephen Gooch. And I think, you know, I think, you know, that I am frequently the vessel for certain things that, you know, the conduit through which voices come into the world. Uh, I'm frequently not in control of these sorts of things. So he's when he says and, of course, those uh, numbers will have to be validated by our fiduciary, Stephen Gooch. I went, the Gooch! <laughs> <laughs> and he, he looks up. Everybody in the room kind of stops. The Gooch! How <laughs> is the Gooch? And he, um he's good <laughs> <laughs> and the guy i'm working with he's, he's next to me he's like do you know steve gooch no no never met him <laughs> <laughs> the gooch the gooch <laughs> anyway uh well I this was, episode of funny books with erin and polly is dedicated to Stephen gooch the gooch the gooch our buddy <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that came from. It was just, it was just that kind
1: of meeting and uh, I, I needed to, I needed to break it up. <laughs> there you go. Good job. Aaron.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anytime.
1: <laughs> Aaron will be looking for a new job soon. <laughs> um, so I was also a bit man this week. I was traveling for work out to California, uh, Beautiful, beautiful sunny California yeah beautiful rainy California this week um I was in the Thousand Oaks area and it rained uh pretty much solid for a couple days and not like a light drizzle no 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 it, it was it was like I walked out I'm like oh this is real rain like this isn't just like when people say you know Florida cold is actually right. just like 60 degrees no California rain like it no it was a real thing so I didn't get to do much other than drink and work, um, <laughs> not simultaneously, but in that order. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um, but well, did you, did you have an opportunity to take an Uber while you were there, Paul? Uh, no, actually, I had a rental because, car because because when I was traveling this week, I had the opportunity to take an Uber. And let me just tell you, uh, are you, are you familiar with the Netflix series Orange Is the New Black?
1: I am familiar. I'm not, I'm not intimately familiar. Well, well, crazy eyes was my Uber driver. Okay. I I don't get the reference, but I'm sure our listeners do.
0: Well, you know, crazy eyes is, is a character in that show who has crazy eyes Uh, and, uh, my driver, uh, my, my, uh, gender ambiguous driver, uh, was, uh, was a spitting image for crazy eyes. And at one point, she slash he is driving so aggressively. She rolls the window down, and this is Austin is not like New York City. Okay, Austin, Texas is not a city where you know uh, cab drivers and Ubers are honking at each other and driving super aggressively. That is just not Austin, Texas. Austin, Texas is is a, a a really a pretty laid back sort of town. And she rolls the window down, comes halfway out of the car, you know, through the window. And she's like, nowhere for me to go, (laughs) brah. I'm like, I'm just I'll just get out here. (laughs) I'm good. (laughs) I I, 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 I don't.
2: I know how common it is, but I still the whole Uber thing creeps
1: me out. So let me tell you about my Uber experience. We're just going off the rails. Also, Wayne joined us. (laughs) Um, So. I, it, this wasn't my Uber experience in California, but um, it, it's about to get political up in this piece. Uh oh, uh oh. So we. Get your MAGA hats on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, me and a buddy were in Richmond um, about a year ago, Richmond, Virginia. Um, and if anyone is uh, unfamiliar with Richmond, Virginia, one of the biggest rations, races in the nation is the Monument 10K. Something like 50, 40,000, 50,000 people run it. Um, this Monument 10K, which runs down Monument Avenue in Richmond. And it's it, it's like number 11 in... It's like in the top 20 in the world, but like number 11 in the U.S. Or some nonsense. It's like it's big. Um, but Monument Avenue is a street of mostly monuments to Confederate generals. And so, you know, obviously there's a, a big... You know, given all the, the hubbub, obviously, about the Confederate statues throughout the U.S. Um, I, was, I was in an Uber... And we were talking about the monuments and my buddy uh, who was with me is a, is a history was a history major um, back in college. And, you know, he started talking about, you know, um, you know, the he, he, he is a genuinely good guy, but he's like, you know, their monuments have a different time, blah, blah, blah. You know, I, I I understand the, you know, the current thinking. However, you know, this is monuments of you know the the you know and the Civil War was not just about slavery, blah blah blah. Well the Uber driver, seeing the hearing this, assumed my buddy Scott was was a kindred spirit <laughs> and went off on a racist tirade about how abortions keep ethnicities in check population wise. And you know, and the war of northern aggression, and we're like, we'll we'll get out here. He's like, are you sure? Like, <laughs> I don't think we're anywhere near it. It's like, oh no, we're gonna go here instead. Like middle of nowhere. Like, well, we'll we'll get out here. Yeah. So to your point, Wayne, yes, it, it is depend. I I have had many many great Uber drivers. Um, yeah. But I, I but I, you know you get those those weird ones. I don't I don't think they have like a you know, <laughs> I don't think they have to do like a psychological exam to well, be an Uber a, a, driver. Every
0: now and again, you get the Uber driver who's driving Uber because that's the job he could get.
1: Yep, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, and we got off track, but what, what I was, where I was going with traveling this week um, is that it, it's, a, it's a, from... So uh, when, you, when I flew to uh, Thousand Oaks, California, basically I left Virginia Beach, I went north to Baltimore and then left west to california and so um first flight is like a 30 minute flight the next flight is like a four hour flight right um so on those on the four hour flight there and on the four hour flight coming back home i was able to watch sabrina or the chilling adventures of sabrina on netflix oh yeah so i banged out that entire season um on the two plane rides and i gotta say i quite enjoyed it yeah it's a good show it's a good show yeah I absolutely loved it. I can't wait for the next season. Well, and they're doing a Christmas special, and that was one of the things that inspired Ooh. me to make sure I watched it because the Christmas special is coming up.
0: Oh, wow. I, did I didn't know, know that. A... Yeah. Uh, all I knew was that the second half of the season comes out in April, but, uh, wow, the that, that Christmas special, that should be interesting.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right, given. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, thought it was a, I thought it was a well-done show. I mean, not – not everything landed but for the most part i I did enjoy it um good casting good acting um Mm -hmm. so i i enjoyed i I, you know it almost inspired me to pick up the comic book but then i remembered that 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 comic book is just like uh, archie archie's horror line (laughs) is just like a dumpster fire in that Uh they they produce good quality books but like one issue every seven years so right yeah yeah that's the sad thing is they're really good books that never come out. They produced eight episodes of television faster than they produced uh-huh. eight issues of a comic book. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, uh, so I don't Paul,
2: know if he's from the comic or not, but I really loved the cousin character. Yeah. I don't
0: know. I don't recall seeing him in the comic, but I also, uh, haven't read all of the Sabrina books, but, uh, Paul, yes. uh, speaking of Netflix, cause you know, we're just wildly off the rails today. Yeah. Um, you watched Spartacus, right? The TV show. I did. So uh, I had I had wanted to for a really long time, but it just never gotten around to it. So I was out sick earlier in the week, which is always a great great place to get caught up on your on your binging. And so I I, I worked
1: my way through the first season of Spartacus. I did not realize and, I was on Netflix. I would actually probably rewatch some of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. And so uh, one of the things I find really amusing is that you know the 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 first season opens up with the once proud house of Bartiatis mm-hmm. fallen on hard times you know he he is the the guy who you know runs a a college of gladiators and uh you know he he used to you know do really well his father was it was was uh you know one of these uh gladiator managers back in the day and and you know they just no longer uh, are enjoying the success and wealth that they once had, but yet, despite the fact that they're on hard times and they can barely buy water, they still have the slaves that uh, that uh, you know perform foreplay before the man and his wife have sex and I'm just thinking, you know if you don't have enough money to buy water, maybe you give up the slave who gives you the hand job and the uh and the blow job before you actually nestle down to have sex with your wife i, I feel know, like your priorities are you off whack Aaron. you <laughs> never get that
1: up water will always be there <laughs> yeah it'll rain eventually <laughs> Huh. So hold on, just, you watched the first season of Spartacus and that's all you got out of
0: it? I just, you know, these are life lessons. I just <laughs> think that uh, that there are priorities and there are priorities. And uh, yeah, that's what I got out of that. Yeah. That well, maybe you cut back on the four play slaves.
1: <laughs> no, that's just stupid. <laughs> that's just stupid. Well, speaking of cutting back, guys, it finally happened. Oh, dear. Netflix has canceled Daredevil. Yeah. You know, it's been two weeks since we recorded, so I don't know that this isn't like... This news may be a little stale for, for you guys listening, but this is our first opportunity to really talk about it, that, um, you know, we basically, at this point, the writing's on the wall with the Marvel and Netflix shows, and what people are pointing to, or at least what the rumor mill is pointing to, because um, everyone was like, oh, it's because they're going to the Disney Plus streaming service, and Disney is saying, no, that actually wasn't the plan. We didn't know Netflix was going to cancel our shows. Um but what the the rumor mill is saying is that it's, it came down to um, cost disputes. Netflix mm-hmm. wanted to cut trim back all the series to eight episodes, um, and Marvel was, was unhappy – or Disney, I should say. Marvel, Disney, whatever, was unhappy with that, and they just couldn't come to a resolution, and that's why these shows are getting canceled.
0: It's crazy to me. I mean, it, ha, have you finished watching the current season of Daredevil? I haven't even started. Wayne, have you Shit. seen it? nope, I haven't even started it either. It, it is the strongest of the three seasons. It is so fucking good. I I've mean, heard really good things about it. It is. I mean, I completely get canceling Luke cage and iron fist. Cause those are just wildly uneven. Uh, but daredevil was freaking awesome. And punisher has had two good seasons. Um, so, I mean, my only concern is that if, Disney's going to reclaim these properties and and run them on their platform. I just don't want to do a reboot. I don't want to have a reboot with new, with new actors because these casts are fantastic. Uh, everybody is pitch perfect in Daredevil. I mean, I love Foggy. Uh, I, I love the entire supporting cast. Um, and and I, and I think and with the exception of the casting of Iron Fist, I think the casting throughout those Marvel Netflix shows, not necessarily the writing, but the casting is perfect.
2: I think they might have to completely redo them, though. I mean, Netflix produced these. I don't know how much Netflix had involved in the creative process.
0: I think what 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 they would not be able to do is broadcast those Netflix series. So they wouldn't be able to go and say, okay, well, here's here's the, you know, original three seasons of Daredevil. And now here's our new seasons of Daredevil. I think they completely own the show. They can go and 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 produce those, but uh, they can't. They would not have the rights unless they bought them from Netflix, uh, to rebroadcast or restream uh, those prior seasons. And that just makes me it just infuriates me that you know the world building that they did, and Netflix just canceled all that stuff.
1: You know, which occurs yeah, and, to me. And I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, Wayne, but it occurs to me that. um I would say watch the shows while you can because I'd imagine once they're – once the next season of Jessica Jones and Punisher have aired, they may actually like just take the Marvel series down eventually. Netflix said they'd be there
0: for – I mean I I almost want to say that the the words were forever and that's probably because Mm -hmm. they own them. Yeah, you know, because because that deal is such that they don't have to keep buying the rights. That well, yeah, they put enough money in that they that they'll be there forever. I just I'm you know that's one of the things I I I hate about uh, this genre is that you know the the frequent re- reboots. So I just you know I really like this Daredevil and I and I really like this Luke Cage and I really like this Jessica Jones. Um, yeah, it will make me sad if uh, we recast all of them. Yeah, and this is one of the you know one of the things that really made Netflix.
2: Oh yeah, I mean Netflix yeah. already was strong in the uh, DVD renting and things like that, but their streaming platform didn't really have a lot of content on it until they started doing some of this uh, custom content, and the the Marvel stuff in particular was kind of the the foundation that they laid for
1: this. Yeah, you know, new content. Well, to your point. Is for for genre genre fans? Is Netflix even worth it once Disney Plus starts? Like you know, they, they have yeah. a ton of original content, but do they have genre content? Because Star Trek Discoveries on you know your Star Trek's on your CBS, all your Star Wars Net, uh, Marvel needs are going to be on Disney Plus. DC has their own thing. Netflix won't really have genre content. You'll have Lost in you'll have Lost in space, oh, yeah. and you'll have uh, Stranger Things.
0: Yeah, but I can, pay,
1: I can pay $8 on di- Sabrina, yeah. Yeah, fair, but...
2: Stranger Things and Sabrina are the only two that would make me consider keeping Netflix. At that point, I'm tempted to drop it. I mean... But even then, you could pick it up
1: for one month a year, binge-watch your shit, and drop True. it. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's. I, I think it's it's an ill ill-fated decision. Hopefully, Daredevil will return in some form. Um, I, I care less about the other characters, especially now that apparently I'm going to get my Karate fix. Karate. Karate. In a Shang-Chi movie that Marvel has has greenlit to be fast-tracked. No, wait a minute. You're
0: not getting your, your Karate fix from
1: Cobra Kai? Oh, well, I mean, that's, that's on break as on, well. On YouTube Red. <laughs> <laughs> I actually like that show. <laughs> I, I know that
0: you do, Paul. I know. I've have do heard do.
2: really good things about it. I just haven't watched it because I don't have YouTube Red. But
1: yeah, well, you know, well, just, you, you can bang you, it out in the free in the free week they give you.
0: Well, and you're not going to need YouTube Red. You're, they're they're doing away with YouTube Red uh, next month. Are Everything's really? going to be going back to a free platform. Oh, nice. When it goes back to
2: free, I'll watch it.
0: The uh, the YouTube Red has not been successful as a uh, subscription uh, no service. Shit. So, like, yeah.
1: any, like like fact, no one saw the writing on the wall as soon as that started exactly exactly
0: so anyway all of their premium content will be available for free uh it'll just have commercials like everything else
1: on youtube huh interesting well youtube red sucked anyway yeah but um but you but you loved yourself some Cobra guy i did i did and i'm looking forward to shang chi if they do a shang chi movie i would be all about it i do
0: love that character I do love some some, some Shang Chi. I, I have. I I was actually surprised that they didn't do a Shang Chi Netflix series instead of an Iron Fist
1: Netflix series. <laughs> Maybe it was talked about, and that once Netflix started canceling their shit, they were like, "Oh, <laughs> hold on, <laughs> let's just make a yeah. movie." I can see why they did Iron Fist instead,
2: strictly because they had Luke Cage. I
0: I just I think that uh, that Shang Chi really lends itself more um, to to a certain audience, you know, uh, it, it lends itself to Chinese distribution for one, which is always huge in terms of uh, of marketing. Um, so, I mean, it, it doesn't surprise me that they're doing it. What surprised me is it's been so long. I mean, I was like, God, why why haven't you done a Shang Chi movie or uh, TV show? Because uh, I'm I'd be I'm, I would be so down for a Shang
1: Chi show. Assuming it was better than Iron Fist, like it's got to be well, well yeah. done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean,
0: you know, number one, the fighting's got to be good, and you've got to get yourself a good actor and, mm-hmm. uh, and and good writing. I mean, yeah, it's all the usual tricks, but I just, the, I love that character so much. I agree.
1: Well, you know, so speaking of Marvel movies, and we're, we're all about the Marvel right now, but we're going to talk about nothing but, well, we're going to talk about DC books here in a minute. Um, new trailers <laughs> came out this week. A Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. I have watched neither of them. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, I haven't either. Oh, Wayne. Why did I even put them on the outline? I, I don't know, Paul. I don't know <laughs> why you didn't say, hey, have you watched these trailers? <laughs> I probably should have. So yeah. there are new trailers for Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame that we'll talk about next week on <laughs> Um Which, you know, they, they are uh, online ahead of their release in theaters. They'll probably be attached to Mary Poppins and Aquaman and Bumblebee and... You know that kind of thing. Um, first peek at uh, Avengers Endgame. It's a, it's a very brief teaser trailer. Well, it's actually not brief. It's actually about two and a half minutes, but it is very much a teaser trailer and Captain Marvel. A bit more of the story there.
2: Actually, now that I think about it, Paul, I did watch the uh, the Infinity One. Are the Avengers Endgame because it was uh, Tony recording the message to Pepper.
1: Yeah, that's the one. That
2: that was awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it's it is a very brief teaser, you know, like in that it doesn't show a lot, and you wouldn't expect it to, right? I mean, we all know what's gonna, we all know that everyone's gonna come back, or some or something's gonna happen, but yeah, um, they're not gonna give that away in the trailers. Let me clarify: when I say awesome, I mean awesome for a teaser.
2: Yeah, obviously not for a trailer.
1: Well, since Aaron didn't watch them, and well, I'm blaming Aaron, but really. For, for you know, a little inside baseball, I usually do ask before we start recording <laughs> if uh, if anyone <laughs> saw the, the stuff that we're going to talk about. But oh well. well. And in and,
0: and the, and the outline, all it says is Captain Marvel and Avengers Endgame. It doesn't say Captain Marvel trailer, Avengers Endgame trailer. So, ah. you know, I read the outline before we started. I just figured you had some, some nice little nugget of information to share. I didn't realize that you were going to shame me with not having seen a trailer that I didn't realize was out.
1: Oh, that was always my plan. Yeah. Yeah, I figured as much. It's kind of your move. <laughs> well, then instead, let's move on to this week's new releases, um, at least the, 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 uh, a couple of the bigger ones. Shazam! Number One. We're going to have a Jeff Johns twofer right now. Um, Shazam number one from Jeff Johns and Dale Eaglesham um, that also features a, a backup story and the artist's name escapes me right now. Um, Mayo Naito. Uh, so, uh, Wayne, did you get a chance to read this one? No, I didn't pick it up. Okay. So I thought about it, though, but... Well, let's see if up. Aaron thinks you should have. Aaron, what'd you think of Shazam?
0: I, you know, it the... Uh... This issue sort of restates uh, much of the origin that Jeff Johns previously provided to us in, in his, uh, his uh, back feature of Shazam that appeared in the uh, Justice League books mm-hmm. uh, back in the beginning of the New 52. Um, yeah, I like this Billy Batson. It is a big change, though, from classic Billy Batson in that, you know, uh, Mary Marvel is not his biological sister. She is his foster sister. And, you know, Freddie Freeman, you know, is his foster brother. And then you've got a host of other, you know, members of the, I'm going to call them the Marvel family because that's what we've always referred to them as. But that's not what they're going by here. Uh, you know, DC has decided that uh, their character, uh, Billy Batson and his alter ego, formerly known as Captain Marvel, probably shouldn't have the name Marvel in its character, uh, when Marvel is the name of the competition. So they are, you know, Shazam has been going by Shazam, uh, which, you know, when I was a kid, that's what we always called him anyway, right? Yeah. Um, but, you know, he was always, you know, Captain Marvel, you know, the Marvel family, Mary Marvel, uh, uh, Captain Marvel Jr. You know you had all those names, and and they're renaming these, and that's a little weird in the book for someone who who is familiar with the Marvel family or whatever they're going to wind up being uh, called. But uh, I liked it. I li- I'm what sorry? are they
2: renaming the others too?
0: Like I know he's going by Shazam, but I have no idea what. Mary Marvel or any of the others are going by. I don't believe they've settled on those in terms of the the, the book. I'm sure they've settled on them, you know, as a, as a as a publishing house. But they they the characters seem to still be working on that. Unless, unless Paul, you gathered something else?
1: No, I do. You know, so they. This is all about the Foster family, and and now they've inherited these powers. Um, but I think they're still trying to figure out their names. Yeah, they they right. they none of that's really revealed in the book um as of yet and i would say there's while they do try to make this new reader friendly in the in the introduction of the um origin of shazam i would actually recommend not just because it's a good book but to understand this book picking up that shazam uh graphic novel that collects the back matter that we were just
0: completely Completely agree. I will say one of the things I, I, I uh, the Eagleshams' artwork in this book is fantastic. I love it. I don't care for something they've done in the costume design though, uh, with the glowing Kirby crackle uh, uh, lightning bolts. Mm-hmm. I do not care for that. Um, and, and you know they seem to be really, everybody seems to be really turned on by that in these books, but it makes the costumes too noisy. It does. Uh, I, I I really strongly dislike it. I wouldn't mind it if they were just luminescent white, but it's that Kirby crackle piece of it that just really seems to not work well with the rest of the design. Like for instance, the the big strong guy who uh, you know, with the beard. Yeah. Um, he's got a green costume, and that white and blue just really doesn't work with the
1: green. So. I agree. And in and in the panels where they're all together, it's just very. Like, it feels like it it should be simpler. It feels too busy. Um, And as much, I I do think Dale Eaglesham's art works great. I feel like it would be perfect if there was only one character, if it was just Shazam. The problem with Dale Eaglesham's art is that he has two body types, skinny and super muscular. Right. So the the Shazam family or the Marvel family, the bodies are, are pretty much interchangeable other than height they they all seem rather similar. Um, yeah, I, I would have preferred to see a bit more distinction in the body types between the different characters. Yeah, but um, I'm intrigued I, about the book. I'm intrigued about the magic lands. I I actually like the backstory. Uh, um,
0: see now, I uh, I liked the writing on the backstory. Yeah. I the story was great. I hated 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 the artwork, uh, by uh, Mayo Sen Naito. Uh, which is very manga in its style, very much. So. You know where the you know the, uh, the character of Mary, her her eyeballs are fully one third of her face. Yeah, um, I, I I hated it. Loved the story. It's it's a story of how uh, Mary and Freddie meet, right? Because they're the first. Yeah, Freddie was the first kid in the foster family. Mary was the second, and it's a great story. I it is not served well by the art, in my opinion. Now, I also get that. I am a minority in terms of uh, comic readers. Uh, many, 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 many comic readers enjoy manga. I do not. Uh, I, I actively despise the art style, and I hated every page of artwork in, in, in that backstory. Loved the writing, though. I thought the writing was fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah. no, I hear you. And I think the, the 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 story would have been better served with a different art style, because uh-huh. the, the manga asked... Uh, the manga-esque artwork kind of made it just seem like a cartoon. And I think it was supposed to be this heartwarming story. And you you don't get some of that because, you know, manga, everything is exaggerated and, you know, the expressions are all rather cartoony. But, it's you know, there's an um, there's an emotional component that I think is lost with that art. But it is a good story. And so I, I enjoyed Shazam, number one. I, I will pick up number two. I'm curious about the Magic Lands. I would say yeah. I'm more curious about the concept of the Magic Lands than I am about... Um, spoilers Um, Billy Batson's father showing up at the end yeah you know like I don't know what that's all about and I'm I'm less interested in that that just feels like low-hanging fruit storytelling wise but I am curious about the Magic Lands
2: agreed yeah I think I'll pick up the first issue because I said I was curious about it and hearing that you guys didn't hate it is enough for me to give it a shot money-wise
1: well let's talk about the other Jeff Johns book this week, featuring art by Gary Frank, um, who did the Shazam uh, graphic novel that we were talking about, uh, Doomsday yeah. Clock Number Seven, has, has has arrived, and it seems like less um, of a break. This is this is number eight. Number eight. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, we
0: Doomsday are fully three quarters of the way through Jeff Johns' tale of Doomsday Clock. Wow, two thirds,
1: three quarters. Three quarters would be issue nine. Okay, you're right. Math is hard. <laughs> it's been a long <laughs> week. Um, you couldn't tell it in the story either way. But you know what, I Wayne, I gotta say, I fucking loved this issue. I really loved this issue. And I, I do, you guys are quiet, so I'm assuming I'm gonna hear differing opinions. But I genuinely think this this book is hitting its stride. And I know we're two thirds of the way through. Um, but I I, I like where the story's going. It feels like it sh- this should have happened four issues ago. that's my complaint, yeah, completely yeah. agree that's yeah. I have not cared for this series for the most
2: part because of horrible pacing, and it just seemed like nothing was ever happening when this was built up to be a big Superman story as well as a you know watchman story and this is the first time it's really been a Superman story,
0: so a couple of things. this book is. focused on Superman, right? Which is a little jarring in that Superman has been such a minor character throughout this series. It's been everything going on, And, you know, you might see a hint of Superman in the odd issue and you get him for a couple of panels. Right. Uh, But he has not been the focus, even though he has been uh, mentioned and and referenced throughout this series. But Superman is is, you know, uh, front and center in this issue. And I think one of the, the things to note is that Doomsday Clock takes place within the current main continuity the DC Comics universe, which is to say, all of these characters who've gone through the New 52—you uh, know, uh, Superman who is married to Lois, who has a son named John—you uh, know, Batman who has endured the, the Court of Owls. These are all the same characters. These are all the same continuity. Yet, he Jeff Johns's treatment. Of Lois and Clark as if they are Christopher Reeves and Margot Kidder is disorienting and out of context with the continuity in which these characters live. Um, I found it wildly disorienting to see Jimmy reverted back. To his 1970s era character, and to see Lois focused on her orange juice, and you know Clark being nerdy, uh, I these are these were such wild contrasts to the characters that currently exist in the DC continuity. And I understand that Jeff Johns is all about his homage to Christopher Reeves. And please don't get me wrong. I enjoyed that in action comics back before, uh, what was it? Uh, uh flashpoint, but it's out of place here. Yeah. Aaron, I'll add one more thing to
2: that. And, uh, Perry white also. Yeah. That was not Perry white.
0: no, no, and it and it's and, and the thing is is I mean if this was happening out of continuity I'd be absolutely fine with that. But the whole point of Doomsday Clock is that this is happening in the central universe and these are not those characters. So it it's super frustrating to me. That said, I thought it was 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 an entertaining story. I enjoyed the the uh, you know crisis with Firestorm I I found it interesting that Clark completely ignores everything Batman's telling him in his ear. Um, you know, you would think that after all this time, Superman would know to listen to Batman, even though he's in a crisis situation. Um, I, I just it was uh, it was super frustrating. But I will say star of the star of the piece is the interaction between Black Adam and Superman. Yeah, I
2: completely agree. And the uh, the Firestorm stuff was great. And I am Uh not a Firestorm fan at all. Nor am I. Yeah. But they did that very, very well. And you got they managed to pull the uh, the emotions out of me through that. When you're seeing the glass people get shattered and the effect on Firestorm and they were incredibly successful. The entire interaction with Black Adam was great. Those were my highlights of the book, were Firestorm and Black Adam's interactions with Superman.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so I don't disagree with your your take on, Aaron, your take on you know the d- disjointment between what's currently going on in the DC universe and, and the continuity that's set up and the characterizations here. I don't know. For me, I, I, I kind of read that as... It, I, like, yes, this is continuity and should be because it's that's what was established in Rebirth number one. But at the same time, I feel like Rebirth has kind of gone and done its own thing. And, you know, now Jeff Johns is telling, well, here's the story I had intended to tell. And they're kind of separating it because they've got all this other shit going on in the DC universe. You've got your DC medals and your, you know, your Justice League books. And you've, you've kind of got all the stuff going on there. Um, and doomsday clock is largely unaffecting the DC universe and i don't know if we I'm, I'm i'm hopeful that at the end of it we will see how this affects the DCU at large i know they said this actually takes place in the future of of it so at some point will they eventually coordinate or are they just saying that to, to you know appease us fans and eventually they just hope we forget um right. you know as far as the the sharp left turn of superman being the the key character in this book I I was okay with that. Um and I kind of took it as well. The first half of the series was basically the Watchmen piece and now we're going to focus on the DC piece and and they'll they'll co- converge at the end kind of like a, a pulp fiction aspect um to it. But at the same time <clears throat> I my main gripe with the book is that the Watchmen piece and the DC and so the last 3 issues, I'd say, 6, 7 and 8 have moved at a much different pace than the first five issues. The first five issues, what what has happened in this book would have taken three issues in the pacing of 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 the the first half of the series. Um, you know the long drawn out sequences where nothing happens, but it's artistically told. Um, whereas in this book, like like a lot a lot happens um, in a short amount of time, or a, a long period of time passes in one comic. And I think it's, that's where, you know, I, I don't know if Doomsday Clock will read better collected or if the faults of the storytelling will be more clearly evident because you're reading it all together and you're like, whoa, 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 like nothing happened in the first half of this book and now everything's happening. Um, But I, I, I like where the story's going um i'm curious to see how the the last four issues of the four five let's see eight nine ten eleven twelve four the math math (laughs) is hard um where the last four issues will go because i think uh it it seems like there's so much to set up and it seems like there's so much to resolve because now we've got the Superman theory we've got this thing with russia we've got the watchman piece we've got the you know the Doctor Manhattan is Superman going to kill Doctor Manhattan? I'll, there's and you know I know they're they're doing the three Jokers thing in a separate book, um, but they did kind of have like this whole Joker thing in this book. Is that basically done? Like, there's so much that I feel needs to be resolved in the next four issues. I'm curious to see what they do.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, don't get me wrong. It, my uh, I still think Doomsday Clock is a is a valid read, and I do think that that it does not shine in single issue format, just like, uh, doom, uh, watchman did not, uh, shine in single issue format, Fair, but you know, the, the, my, my complaint is that it just seemed very jarring, but you know, I've had that experience elsewhere in this series and I, I, I am, I will be eager to read it all in one piece, uh, when it's, when it's all finished. Um, I do think the artwork is gorgeous in this book. I think uh, Gary Frank is just doing a yeoman's job of uh, of telling the story in a visual way. Uh, it's super interesting. I just found found some things frustrating in this issue, but I do still r- highly recommend the series. Yeah, I don't know that I would say I highly
2: recommend the series. But I say it's been the pacing has been too bad. and There's a lot of the series I haven't liked, but the issues that I like have been really good. It's just such a hit or miss series for me at this point.
1: I have high hopes that we will see a resolution to the, a satisfying resolution to the series. Um, just based on the key moments of this book involving Superman um, and knowing he's key in the conclusion of the book, I just I I I have high hopes. I, I think I I feel like they're going to stick the landing. We'll see. But you know, we were talking about frustrations, so. I, I before we recorded, I, I put indie spotlight on the the uh, the list, and I you know, Aaron's like, "Oh, we're bringing back the indie spotlight," um, because I've I, I read two books this week. Actually, I read them both last night um, from Image Comics. I picked up Die from uh, Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Hans, and as I was going to get that because I, I read a description of it that was rather interesting, I thought, "Oh, um, I didn't realize that Mark Miller's new book." Is out this week because it has such a terrible cover. Um, it's Prodigy, uh, and uh, it's from Mark Miller and Raphael Al- Albuquerque. And so I was like, oh, let me pick that up too, and because I know I had read about that that that's uh, being picked up. I don't know if it's a movie or whatever. You know, that's part of that whole Netflix package that that Mark Miller has. Wait, Interesting, did you, I didn't know that. Yeah, did you pick up Die or did you read Die? Yes, I did. I usually read
2: a couple of indie books a week, and at this point, because there's not as much from the major big two that I'm reading. And uh, this one jumped out at me because when I read the description, it talked about d and d players, basically. Mm-hmm. And what I didn't the name, you know didn't jump out at me. didn't uh, I didn't get the point of the name until after I read it and realized that die in there is a reference to dice as well.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a witty title. Um, so I'm going to talk about kind of both of these books a little bit together, and, and I'm glad you read Die, because uh, I want to see if you had the same opinion of it I do. I had the same problem with both books. Um, they're very wildly different books. Uh, so Prodigy is about the smartest man in the world. Basically, it's Mark Miller's take on Tony Stark. He's the smartest man in the world. He's a stuntman. He can do everything. He solved, you know, he did open-heart surgery at 11 years old. I mean, he's just, like, super smart. He learns instantly, blah, 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 blah. And it's, you know, he's being called in to prevent an invasion from an alternate dimension. In Die, you have a group of characters who, um, as kids, uh, are, are are playing a homegrown setting. Um, a group of D&D players who are playing a homegrown um Rules-based thing that one of them puts together. Um, apparently, some magical die draw them into like this Jumanji-esque world where they um, disappear for two years. They come out; they're they're unable to speak of what happened during the two-year absence. And this is 25 years later, and they're revisiting um, the trauma of their childhood. And, and They're brought back into the game. And I'm not. I know that sounds like a spoiler, but ultimately, like we're only yeah. one issue in an ongoing series, and it's revealed kind of like in the description of the book so those yeah, are the, that's the whole setup you, yeah. you learn all that right away yeah so this i had the same problem with both of the books which is that i really didn't like the protagonist and i or the protagonists in either book um i thought everyone in die was an asshole <laughs> and i thought the main character in prodigy was was a bigger asshole so like for me I, I have i had a hard time connecting at a story level to either book what did you think See, of Die? I didn't have that problem with the characters
2: and die. Some of the kids in the beginning did seem like they're kind of going to be assholes. But as adults, you kind of you see what they've gone through and it makes sense for them where they've gotten what I enjoyed about it from a story standpoint is that I've seen these stories of being pulled into the game world countless times at this point. This one did it differently. They basically they showed the consequences of it first you don't get any of the story of what happened in the game world. You get the setup, and then they're back, and then it's, what, 29 years later? 25. They're in their 40s. Yeah. So you see what how this has impacted their lives, and the whole fact that they're not able to talk about it, I thought was an interesting twist to it as well. So I in, I really enjoyed seeing how their lives were utterly destroyed by this, and it seemed realistic, like they all had traumas from it, and they're going to therapists, but they can't talk about it because they are they physically can't talk about it. So I, in, I
1: actually enjoyed Die quite a bit. Really? I thought it was just okay. Like, I didn't like—for me, I genuinely didn't really care for any of the characters. Um, and, you know, I, I I didn't love the art in it either. <laughs> no, um, I didn't care for the
2: art. It Very stylized art, not— You guys know how I feel about stylized art. Typically, Uh, I completely get though why you wouldn't like it, Paul, because this is a it's a serious character piece. If you don't like the characters, you're not gonna
1: like the book. Yeah, and I don't mind. You know, I mean, here's the thing: I don't mind. It's kind of like it's almost like if you took it and mixed it with Jumanji, right? Or or any, you know, there are a bunch of other books where there's like lost time, or TV shows where there are, are lost time. And, you know, it's about unraveling what happened in that lost time. And that's what this is. And and if you read the back matter of the book, um, you know, Kieran Gillen talks about how the, the idea of this book was about revisiting a piece of trying to revisit a piece of your childhood as an adult. And, you know, and, and after you, you reality has set in and revisiting the fantasies of being a teenager, especially a teenage D&D player. And so I, I like the idea of it. But the book, like I said, like the characters just didn't appeal to me. Um, I was like, well, you know, I don't really like anybody. And and I, I just and maybe the art just didn't sell the emotion of the book for me be- beyond like, well, everyone's mad, everyone's sad. Like it would have been nice if some of them had, had some redeeming qualities, but I'm not seeing that yet. All I'm seeing is trauma and assholiness. The uh, mother really struck me. Yeah. And so, I mean, there there are good aspects to it, and Kieran Gillen is is a, is a good writer. I just didn't love the book, and I don't know that I'm I would actually pick up the the second. Uh, the no, second I would. Issue. S-
2: I would probably say, based on what you said, you shouldn't, because if you don't like the characters, you're not going to like the book. I mean, it is it is integral to like the characters to like the book. Mm-hmm. This particular book.
1: Yeah, and Prodigy, you know, it's fun. But it, you know, like I said, it's basically Iron Man, uh, but Mark Miller style. Um, so for that, again, you know, it's it, it's a fun, that one was a fun book, a um, little bit dumb, but but fun. Uh, so, but I, I I probably won't be picking up the second issue of that either, oddly enough. So that that that's where I wanted to go with it. But will you pick up the second issue of Die? Yeah, I'm gonna get the
2: second issue. Okay. I want to see what happens in the fantasy world. And that'll be the make or break issue for me.
1: Good point. So that was our Indie Spotlight this week. Um, if you have any ideas for good indie, non-Marvel, non-DC books. That Non-image. Was... <laughs> well, these are both Image. <laughs> So I'm counting That's them. what I'm saying. Non image. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. If you have any ideas of books you'd like us to check out, go ahead and hit us up at uh, Ideology Madness on Twitter, IOM Geek on Facebook, or IOM Geek on Instagram, or the Ideology of Madness Hotline.
0: 972 763 5903. That number, once again, 972 972- 763 5903. I kind of forgot the number while I was repeating the number. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. Paul, what's coming out next week?
1: Well, from the big two, we're, we're getting actually a decent amount of books for, um, you know, as, as we approach the holiday. The Batman Who Laughs, number one, um, written by Scott Snyder, pencils by Jock. Uh, comes out next week issue number one um also uh batman related batman damned number two so if you didn't get enough batman junk in batman <laughs> damned number one issue does it two. promise a whole bunch of new batman penis i i would imagine there is zero batman penis in this book after the re- after the response to number one well um, that's disappointing well seems to me
0: you got to double down on that
1: yeah
2: and and trust me there was nothing disappointing about batman's penis
1: dang (laughs) well um in 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 probably what will be the best batman book next week hopefully pete tomasi and doug Mankey have begun or are about to begin their run on detective comics so detective comics number 994 the countdown to issue 1000 uh, comes out next week from Pete Tomasi and Doug Menke, the new creative team on Detective Comics. Um, also, new issues of Justice League Dark and Superman issue number six, which features the return of Jonathan Kent, the the you know, the, the dreaded <laughs> return, because we're all nervous about what's going to happen right. um, with Jonathan Kent returning. Uh, and interesting, if you if you're missing out on your Mr. Miracle and Big Barda now that uh, Tom King and Mitch Jarrett's series is over. It's okay, because next week in Scooby-Doo team-up number 89, they oh, team up mouth with Mr. Mal- <laughs> Mr. Miracle and Big Barda <laughs> from the superstar theme of Sholy Fish and Dario Boisuela. It's only uh-huh. 99 cents. Uh, Actually, I guess sense- that's a digital-only book. Yeah, it sounds terrible, Paul.
0: It sounds well, terrible.
1: Why do I say pick it up?
0: <laughs> but, but but you know what's not terrible, Paul? What? Episode 3 of Ghosts of Rainsboro, which, by the way, we were not able to get uploaded this week due to technical difficulties. Sometimes WordPress is just not your friend. But uh, by the time you're uh, down, uh, listening to this episode, you should be able to download Ghosts of Rainsboro, Episode 3, Season 2. Very exciting Super terrifying stuff.
1: Oof, cannot wait to listen. Oof. And I was on it. Yeah, you were. I think was I on that one? Yeah, I think I think you were on that one. I, I've lost a couple of years of time. Yes. But when I have. when I rolled those die, I don't recall anything that that occurred after. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Probably best you not remember, Paul. Mm. The horror. The
1: horror. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week. Bye.